there's still a baby down there. By Anita Bartholomew. A van shoots off the levee, explodes into the water and sinks like an anchor. Can the rescue workers save everyone inside? Galveston Island, Texas, 23rd of the 2nd, 2002. A maroon minivan speeds across the roads of the flat coastal island. The driver, Jose Rodriguez, 26, is steering erratically. Sitting in front with him, his cousin Rosalinda is terrified. Her two children huddle in the back seat with Rodriguez's wife, Maria, who is protecting her own baby daughter in an infant seat. Unmoved by their fear, Rodriguez wheels into a dead-end road. Palm trees in front of well-kept houses flash by as he streaks straight towards the murky waters of Offutt's Bayou. A sane man would have braked to avoid crashing through the concrete rubble at the end of the road. Rodriguez accelerates. He obeys the voice, ranting in his head, commanding him to drive the minivan into the dark water. It is all in God's hands, the voice adjures him, whether his cousin, her children, his wife or his baby live or die. Out on the water, a crisp breeze drives a dozen two-man sailing boats down the bayou. Students from three Texas universities are preparing for the next race in a regatta. The skipper of one of the swift dinghies, Lucky Reed, from Texas A&M University at Galveston, steers towards the starting line, when out of nowhere something huge rockets off the levee and crashes into the water with a tremendous splash. Nearby, Spencer Ogden, a third-year undergraduate from the University of Texas at Austin, is manoeuvring his craft into position. He is totally focused on the race when he sees a minivan, engine revving, rip through a pile of concrete rubble on the bank and shoot across his field of vision. It explodes into the water about 25 metres away and sinks like an iron anchor. Someone yells to shore, Call emergency! The regatta forgotten, a dozen boats set a course for the van. I'm going in, Joe Richardson, 19, a Galveston student, yells to the gathering sailors. His boat is just about 20 metres from the crash spot. He strokes with all his strength. Who's trapped? Can he reach them in time? As he nears the spot, a man splashes to the surface. Richardson grabs and drags him through the chilly water to the nearest boat. The man is impassive, shows no fear, no gratitude, no emotion. It's eerie. Is anyone still inside, Richardson demands. The man doesn't seem to understand. Otras personas, another student asks in Spanish. The man is mute. At first he doesn't respond to anyone or any questions the young sailors fire at him. Then he begins to mutter. One word sends a chill through the group. Niños. Children. How many precious seconds have they wasted talking? Richardson, a trained emergency medical technician, knows that the kid's chances for survival might have already ticked away. He lets go of the boat and dives back into the cold. Sailors and spectators on the shore, including Galveston's coach, Gerard Coleman, swim to the crash site. Everyone has forgotten the race and their rivalry. They begin to work with the precision of a synchronised swimming team to save the victims. Spencer Ogden's boat reaches the site first. He scans the area. The van has vanished beneath the opaque water. Then he sees bubbles. Diving in, he swims to where they are rising and locates the vehicle. He hooks one foot through the driver's open window and becomes a boy to mark the spot. 
Water reaches up to his chest. I'm standing on the roof, he yells, as Joe Richardson and others arrive. Someone hands Ogden a pair of goggles and he drops into the murky waters. He goes down a bit but can't even see his outstretched hand. Going by touch, he finds the seat next to the open window where he had hooked his foot. Empty. Where are the children? Out of air, Ogden has to surface. Then he gulps a breath and dives again. This time he works his way to the passenger window and starts to break it. There is someone in the passenger seat. A woman. She is strapped in. He grabs her, pulls with all his strength, but can't budge her. Bursting to the surface again, Ogden feels blood pouring from a gash on his wrist. He sliced it on the shattered glass. Realising he is in no shape to keep diving, he hands the goggles to Lucky Reed. Reed goes down, feeling his way along the cold metal of the van. A call goes out from the team of rescuers. We need something to break the windows. Several scramble ashore to find rocks. One student takes a large stone and smashes the passenger window. In seconds, Reed is able to get inside and free the unconscious woman. Once on the surface, Richardson and two others pull her ashore and begin working to revive her. Reed dives again, groping for bodies. Near the ceiling of the van, he touches something. A little boy is floating free. Reed clasps the child and pushes him to swimmers above. Cradling the boy as best they can, they swim to shore. Working together, other rescuers free a second woman from the back seat. They boost her to the surface. Her face is blue. She has no pulse. Just breathe, one student begs her as they bear her to shore. You'll be okay. Just breathe. But the young woman does not respond. On the levee, Richardson and another student trained in CPR start working on her, trying everything to get her lungs open and functioning. Nearby, students are interrogating the driver, who sits passively. How many people in the van? Who? How old? Slowly, he begins to spit out information. Two more left, the students shout to their teammates in the water. A child, Linda, aged six. And Brenda, a baby. This time, it's Coach Coleman, who searches through the thick black water, sweeping his hands from side to side until he finds the six-year-old. He lifts her to the surface and holds her head above the water. Gently, he wipes foam from her mouth, presses his lips to hers and tries to breathe life into the child. It doesn't do any good. Give her here, someone yells from the bank. Coleman carries her ashore and hands her over to the group working to resuscitate the victims. One left. Baby Brenda. Once again, Lucky Reed drops into the swirling, turgid water. He peers through the second row of passenger windows. Nothing. He pops to the surface, calls for someone to break the last window. But all the rocks they used before are lost, sunk to the bottom of the bayou. One of the students brings a small anchor from a nearby motorboat. He goes under, swings it like a bat and the glass shatters. Reed dives. He doesn't want to think about the time that has passed since the van went under. Seven minutes? Eight? Is there any chance that the baby can still be alive? Leaning through the broken window, Reed feels something. Fabric. A shirt drifting past. He pushes it aside and his hand hits a child's car seat. The baby is still strapped in. He has her. Reaching around, he locates the seatbelt that imprisons her. Where's the buckle? Can't find it. His lungs are burning. 
Oh God, please don't make me come up without the baby. But he has no choice. I need a knife, he sputters, shooting up from below. A student swims up and hands one over from another boat. A film of petrol covers the surface of the water. The air is foul, hard to breathe. Reed sucks in as deep a draft as he can and dives. Inside the van, Reed soars futilely at the seatbelt, the blades not sharp enough to cut the tough nylon. He has to find the buckle. Running his hands all around, at last his fingers close on the metal catch. As he snaps it open, the car seat floats upward. Reed tugs at it from the back, trying to pull it through the window. It jams, stuck between the aluminium bars that had separated sections of the now broken passenger windows. Focused on freeing the baby, Reed doesn't feel the carbon dioxide building in his lungs, doesn't count the seconds slipping by. He can't go up without her. If he turns the seat round so she comes through the jagged glass face first, the hanging shards might cut her to pieces, but each wasted second cuts her chances of survival. Lungs bursting, Reed flips the seat round and yanks. On the surface, the other rescuers wait. Seconds drag by, a full minute, a minute and a half. There's no sign of Reed. His teammates are nervous, worried. They know how easy it is to get disoriented in the water's marshy blackness. If he's down there five more seconds, they say, we're going down after him. And then the child seat bobs up rear side first. Two students and Coach Coleman catch it, not realising at first what it is. Then they see the chubby, dark-haired infant. Oh my God, one student says. The baby looks like a limp blue doll. In response to the call, emergency crews have arrived. Ambulances whisk the first victims off to hospital. Police take the deranged driver into custody. He is still mumbling in Spanish about following God's edict. A firefighter gently lays the last victim, baby Brenda, into a paramedic's arms. The medic, herself the mother of a five-month-old baby boy, fights back tears as she checks and finds no signs of life. She hooks up the little girl to the ambulance's life support system and her partner steps on the gas. Come on, baby, she pleads. Please don't die. At the hospital, the trauma team tries to revive baby Brenda, but after some time they give up and she is pronounced dead. She is laid aside on a paediatric warmer and the team quickly turns its attention to saving six-year-old Linda. After considerable effort, doctors stabilise the toddler. In another room of the paediatric unit, her brother is also holding his own. If only they could have saved the little one. Wanting to say a last goodbye to Brenda, the paramedic from the ambulance walks back to the warming unit. She pulls back the blanket that covers the infant to the wispy black curls of her head and bends down to kiss her. The medic glances at the breathing tube. There's moisture in it. Condensation forms in the tube when air is being exhaled. Is that right? The tube fogs again. And then the baby moves her arms. Doctors, you guys, come back, the paramedic shouts. She's alive. At the police station, Jose Rodriguez is charged with attempted capital murder and is currently under psychiatric evaluation. He gives his account of the compulsive voice that told him his family's lives were in God's hands. Perhaps they were. Pulled clear of danger by a score of young sailors.
For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.